As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, traders. Welcome to another live trading talk with Oliver Velez. My name is Oliver Velez, of course, and I am your trader for life. I just wanted to make sure that most of you saw this, guys. We we put out, um, we as iPhone traders, we put out a developing traders um, week of trading activity. We, we, we chose one developing trader of ours. We have over 4,000 traders um, in our organization actually approaching 5,000 traders. But um, we chose a, 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 a relatively young, not young in age necessarily, but relatively young developing trader and, and demonstrated um, how this trader is actually, the results of this trader is actually showing that many of the concepts that we 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 teach each and each and every one of our traders is is obviously taking root. Um, I'd like you to take a very quick look. We'll, we'll just take a quick look at this. Take a quick look at the first of all. Take a look at the number of shares the trader traded throughout the entire week. So the trader traded roughly eighteen thousand shares. Now that's a fairly decent amount of trading because this trader is not the type of trader that puts on four and five thousand share positions. This trader puts on several hundred share positions. So over the week with several hundred share positions, 300 shares, 500 shares, things like that, um, it amounted to 18,000. That, that includes the buys and the sells, guys. All right. So obviously, if you were to take half of the 18, half of the 18,000 shares is dedicated to your buys, and the other half of the 18,000 shares is dedicated to yourselves. Okay. Take a look at also the gross, the gross P&L. All right, you have a gross P&L column, and. Each obviously each number represents the the the, the gross P and L before commissions and fees and things of that nature um, for a specific day. Now this is very revealing because this trader puts on 
$400 days. He's got two $400 days. All right. And he puts on two mid to high $100 days. But his losing day, he did have a losing day, was only $50 or $51. This is what we want to see. This is the number one item that I want all of you to understand that if you can manage to ensure that your losing trades are less than one half of your average winning trades, I mean greatly less than one half, if you can ensure that your losing trades are greatly less than one half of your winning trades, you are going to be a success at this game and you're going to be at this game, you're going to be able to play this game for a very, very long time. Pretty much problem free. That's not to say that you can play this game loss free. That is impossible. And actually, the novice trader is actually at working at this game trying to eliminate losing trades, which is a total waste of time. Think about what I'm saying here. If you are trying to eliminate losing trades, you are a novice. You are not even close to being a professional. You are not even close to even understanding this game that we call trading. Losing trades can never be eliminated. Losing trades can never go away. You have to actually work on the losing part of your trading. It is something that is going to be permanently with you. How you lose is the most important thing, not eliminating your losses. You can't eliminate losses. I find traders working on eliminating losses for years. They are wasting years of their trading life barking up the wrong tree. You can't eliminate losses. In fact, once you understand you can't eliminate losses, something magical almost happens. You start, the, your system, your being accepts, when you accept the fact that you are going to lose, almost naturally you say, well, okay, if I'm going to lose, let me try to lose right, or let me try to lose correctly. And this starts the trader down a completely different path in his or her development. When you start to understand this fact, you can't eliminate losing trades. In fact, your losing trades are a far better mirror of who you are. Your losing trades reflect who you are as a trader far more than your winning trades. You know how many traders want to come to my organization every single week and say, Oliver, I want more funding. I, I would like more capital. I've got a great trading system. I can show you how, 
how accurate I am. I can show you how much of a winning trader I am. Look at my winning trades. But no one really ever wants to show me what I really want to see. They don't come to me and say, look, Oliver, forget my winning trades. I'm going to show you all of my losing trades for the past month. No one has, almost no one has ever, ever approached me like that. But in fact, if someone did, I would instantly know I'm dealing with the highest level of a professional, or at least a trader who understands the quintessential item, the most important item of this whole game, which is managing your losses. If someone showed me a consistent month of just almost minuscule, insignificant, tiny losses, I know that even if that trader weren't a greatly profitable trader, I know if they could keep that up, that is their future. You see, guys, wins happen all by themselves in the stock market, in any market for that matter. Your winning trades do not reflect your talent as a trader. Your, listen to me carefully, your winning trades do not reflect your skill or your talent as a trader. Only your losing trades reflect the level of your professionality, your professionalism. Your losing trades show me who you are, not your winning trades. If, a stock, if you buy a stock at $20 and the stock goes from $20 to $26, that's a $6 gain. What did you do to help produce that $6 gain except pray? Tell me. Talk to me. What did you do except pray and hope? You did. That's right, Steve. You did absolutely nothing. There was nothing that you did to produce the $6 gain. There was nothing you did except pray and hope to help the stock go from 20 to 26 to deliver you a $6 gain. The stock that you bought at $20 did it all by itself. You did nothing but pray and stay out of the way. But if you bought a stock at $20 and the stock drops from $20 to 14 now we're $6 in the opposite direction. If your stock lost $6, but you sold out at 19, think about this. If you bought a stock at $20, it drops to 14, delivering a $6 loss, but you jettisoned, you exited, you fled, you sold at 19. So instead of, in, instead of, being hurt by a $6 drop, you simply took a, a, a minuscule $1 loss. What did you do in that scenario? You see, you're called to action only on the losing side. You are barely called to action on the winning side. There is nothing you can do to produce a winning trade. All you can do is prevent a big loss. You cannot produce a big win. 
you can't produce a little win, you can't produce a medium-sized win, you have no control over the winning side. What you do have control over is the losing side. So your losing trades are your personal mirror. Your losing trades reflect who you are as a trader. Does this make sense to you? Or am I talking gibberish here? Make sense? You are called to action only on the losing side. But the novice is trying to eliminate the losing side, which is idiotic. Instead of trying to eliminate the losing side, you should actually be trying to make the losing side look pretty. You should honor the losing side. You should welcome it. You should actually hold a personal celebration every time you produce a small loss. And it should be something that you are proud of. You know how when your children come home with a picture or, or, or something that the teacher gave them a star on and you stick it on the, on the, on the refrigerator or in the pantry door or some, some stuff like that? That's what you should do with every single small losing trade. You know what? You should actually forget the winning trades because you did nothing. The winning trades were luck. Nothing was required from you. But when you produce a losing trade, you rose to the occasion. And you took action when action was called for. You did not freeze. You did not hesitate. You stood up and took your medicine like a man and like the man and the woman that you are. It should be something that you're proud of. You should hold a celebration for small losing trades. And you should actually, when you get a lose winning trade, you'll be like, ah, okay, we'll put that one aside. What if this game rewarded you? Well, in a way it does. But what if it actually rewarded you? What if it were reversed? What if the game of trading rewarded you for your win, for your losing trades? He who produces the smallest losing trades makes the most money. And actually, that is the way the game works. I'm saying, what if you got paid for producing the smallest losses? He who makes the smallest losses gets the biggest wins. That is the game, ladies and gentlemen. You're looking at it the wrong way. You're out there trying to produce winning trades, but winning trades produce themselves. You should be out there trying to produce little losses. You should actually go into every single trade and say, I hope this is a losing trade so that I can show how I keep losses at a, at a very, 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 very minimum. You should go into every trade with that attitude. What if you flip things around? Are you having trouble with your trading? If you are losing more than you're winning, winning. If you have more losing trades than winning trades, what if you, that, that obviously means you have something backwards. You are doing something totally backwards. Just reverse what you're doing. Whenever you want to, whenever, if you have way more losing trades than winning trades, it obviously means that every time you think you should buy, you should actually sell. 
And every time you think you should sell, you should actually buy. I mean, that's what your record is telling you. What if you flipped the, your paradigm? What if you changed the objective? What if you dropped the notion of trying to produce a winning trade and actually try to lose? Go into the next trade and say, I'm going into this trade to produce a loss, but a very small one. I guarantee you, you won't even be able to do that correctly. You'll start winning. You won't even be able to lose properly because you'll start winning by mistake. Try it. Redefine the game if you're having trouble. Flip the game upside down. If you're losing, your record's showing you that you've got something flipped the wrong way. Hyrule says that's a powerful idea. It is a powerful idea because what this little exercise will do for you, and we practice this sometimes, guys. My traders practice this. There are losing drills that we have sometimes. And let me give an example of a losing drill. A losing drill might be, okay, we're all going to buy 100 shares of WXYZ. Right? But on my queue, we're all going to buy it at the same time. And I want you to produce a 17 cent loss. That's an example of a, lo a losing drill. If you bring me back a profitable trade, you get eliminated. I don't want a profitable trade. I want you to not only bring me back a losing trade, but I want you to bring me back 17 cents of a losing trade. Not 15 cents, not 20 cents. I want you to cut it off at 17 cents. And that's an example. And guess what happens when we do these drills? Almost everyone brings me back a winning trade. It's almost like magic. It's almost like magic. Karen says, a lot of times I jump out of the trade too quickly. Well, that's, 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 one, of the, that's one of the small handful of demons that do haunt many, many traders. And let's talk about, let's talk about that a little bit, guys. Let's talk about the, 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 the subject of demons. I want you to understand that there are a limited number of problems or mistakes, I call them demons, that haunt losing traders. There's, there's not a lot of them. There's only a small handful of them, but they can really, really be nasty. In one of the demons Karen just mentioned, I jump out of my trades too quickly. Now that is one of the demons. Not allowing a trade to flower, not giving it its proper due, its proper respect, not allowing it to grow and, and, to, and not allowing it, most importantly, not allowing your trade to work for you. Do you know that every single trade you take is an employee for you? That when you take a trade, you have, you have hired a stock 
or any other financial item that you're trading. You have hired that trader, that trade to do a job. Your attitude when you enter a trade should be that of, an, uh, of, a, of a relatively strict but proper employer. Your mindset should be, okay, I have just bought you. All right, you are mine for a, a, a certain period of time. I have bought you and your services. Now, you either make me money or you get fired immediately. What if that were your attitude stepping into every trade? What if you actually said those words every time you stepped into a trade? Now, I've just hired you, WXYZ. You either make me money, and, and in short order, don't dilly around making money for me. You either make me money almost right away, or I'm going to fire you. That's a far cry from the mindset of, okay, um, I, I just WXYZ, um, hi, how are you doing? I, I hope everything's okay. Um, I have just bought you. I, I hope you don't mind. Um, please, I, I have a request. Would you please um, produce a little money for me because I've just had such a long, long, hard week of losses. Please, will you? That's a far cry from that attitude. And many of you approach your trades closer to that attitude than the attitude to that of a, of a of a strict employee. What if your What if you had a requirement? for every trade you took, that it had, it had a certain limited period of time to show you something or you killed it. You, had a, you gave every single stock a small window of time. It says, you've got to show me something in this window of time. But if you even think about going in the opposite direction from what I want, I'm going to cut your neck off. That is proper trading. And what if you cut the neck off of every trade that even tried to look toward the losing category? If a trade turned around and even looked into the negative character to negative territory, you just killed it. And what if your what if your goal was just to kill everything that moved into negative territory? I mean not let it sit in negative territory. The minute the second your trade moves into negative territory, you cut its head off. And, you, and all your job is is to cut the heads off of losing trades. Cut this head off. Cut this head off. Cut. I guarantee you, you're going to have your share of those that don't go into negative territory and don't need its head cut off that go into positive territory. But what if you just forgot about those? And your only focus was to be a head cutter offer. Yeah, let's be a head cutter offer. What if you did that? Do you think you'd find yourself in profitable territory if you were a head cutter offer of every single trade? What if you did that for a week? Wouldn't you find yourself profitable at the end of the week? Guys, this game is not really that hard. It's not simple. 
I mean, no, that's wrong. It's simple. It's not really easy. No, I'm not. Gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna retract that. It's not easy, but it's simple. A few simple things can throw you over the top, but most of you are looking at it, looking for those things in the wrong direction. You see, you're looking up at the stars when you should actually be focused at the stones under your feet. You're looking in the wrong direction. You're trying to bring your garbage, your baggage, into the land of profitability. But the market does not allow that. The kingdom of heaven, that's another term for the land of profitability, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of prophets, don't will not allow you to enter with your baggage. What's your baggage? Your demons, your misconceptions, your erroneous beliefs, your bad habits. You've got to leave that junk at the door. Listen to this. There is a biblical passage. Some of you can repeat this or complete this for me. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for what? Complete it for me. It is easier. This is a biblical passage. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Think about this now. Now this is, I am not going to talk about religion here, but I'm going to use this passage to show you how it speaks directly to you as a trader. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, many people have read that passage, but I find that many people do not really truly understand its true significance. You see, back when that passage was stated, their merchants went from city to city selling their wares, but their wares were were on the backs of camels. This was the, the number one form of transport in the day, back in the day. And merchants would travel with a long line of camels. And on the backs of their camels, maybe there's 22 camels or 25 camels with merchandise, pots and pans and spices and tobacco and salt and, and maybe a little heroin, yes or whatever. And they sold these little gadgets and, and things from city to city. But now, it was a dangerous time back then, so these cities had great walls that surrounded and protected the city. And these walls were very, very high. They were almost inscalable. You couldn't climb the walls and enter into the city. They were too high, and there was nothing for you to grab onto. And what, what's most important, not only were the walls surrounding these cities to protect them very high, 
the doors that entered into the cities were very small. They didn't have big doors. See, big doors mean that a lot of people can enter if they break the door down. So they kept the doors very small. Only one person at a time could enter the city. And you usually had to kneel down to enter into the city. The door was that small. Now get this. They called the door into the city the eye of the needle. So this passage doesn't speak to an actual needle that you sew with. That's ridiculous. Now think about it. It is easier for a camel to enter, to go through the eye of a needle. It is easier for the camel to enter into the kingdom, or it is easier for the camel to enter the, the city than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So let's continue with this. So when these merchants approached the city, they would knock on the door, announce themselves, and the gatekeeper would let the merchant, would give the merchant um, a green light to enter in the city. But he had 25 different camels that he had to get through this little tiny door. So what each camel had to do something very, very interesting. He had to pull each camel down the camel that the camel the first camel approaches the door but the camel can't fit through the door standing up so he has to bring the camel to his knees when the camel is on all four knees then the the merchant unloads the camel's baggage because the camel even on its knees with the baggage on its back can't fit through the eye or can't fit through the door. Are you following this? So the camel has to be brought to his knees, then the camel has to be stripped of his baggage, and then and only then can he crawl through the eye of the needle. You are rich. You are the rich man who can't do this until you are brought, you are rich with your ideas, you are rich with your erroneous beliefs, you are rich with your demons, you are rich with your baggage. The camel started off being rich with his merchandise, but the camel is humbled by being brought to his knees. You as a rich man, you as a trader must first be humbled, you must be brought to your knees to your most, humble, your most humble state. And then in this most humble, open state, you give up your notions. You give up your baggage. You give up your erroneous ideas. You give up your demons. You give up all of the stuff that you have on your back. And it is only in this humble state as a trader, this most open state, you're naked because you have given up everything. And it is then and only then can you enter into, on your knees, without your baggage, you can now enter into the kingdom of profitability. You are trying to enter the kingdom of profitability. You are trying to produce winning trades with everything, with your bad habits, 
You're trying to carry your bad habits into this kingdom, and it will not allow you to enter. You are taking your, your bad tactics, trying to carry your bad tactics, your erroneous strategies, your, your ill-put-together trading plan. You're trying to carry this heavy thing into the... No, you have to strip yourself. Does this, does this make sense? Does it make sense a little bit at least? You can't become consistently profitable until you first start do something outside of the land, the, the, the kingdom of profitability. The, the camel is preparing to enter outside of the kingdom. The camel is getting on his knees outside of the kingdom, outside of, pro before profitability. See, the merchant becomes profitable once he gets his camels in the kingdom. Then he can start selling. But outside of the kingdom, he must first prepare. Your preparation is out before you become profitable. The work happens before you're profitable. The stripping away, the being humbled, and then you become profitable. Then the kingdom welcomes you. So you have to become poor. You have to give up your stuff now. You can do it right now. You have to give up your stuff. You have to, you're rich with your stuff. You've got to now become poor. You've got to give it all up. You've got to almost be raw. You've got to be naked. Another biblical thing that speaks to this, becoming naked is innocent, right? Remember the story of Adam and Eve? Well, when they when they ate from the forbidden tree, they were naked, which means they were innocent. But the moment they ate from the tree and the higher power came to them, they felt ashamed and clothed themselves. So they'd go in the opposite way. They went from innocent being naked to clothing themselves. They're getting richer. Then a back wants to clothes on. Now you put a backpack on. Now you put boots on. And then you start to get richer and richer. You start to collect things and accumulate when in fact you've got to go the other way and strip yourself and go back to that innocent naked state. The true trader is the true enlightened trader is naked, free from a lot of things, not burdened by a lot of things. That's what I call naked and innocent. There's a free flowing into trades without hesitation, without doubt, without resistance. There's no knots in that trader's gut when they're in a trade. There's no tension. 
There's total, absolute openness and freedom. There's a level of confidence that most people never, ever even taste. This level of confidence comes from deep within. It comes from that, that knowing that that trader knows that I will do the right thing when I'm called to do it. When this trade, if this trade does not do the right thing, I will without hesitation, without a moment of, without a moment of guessing, I will rise to do my job. And this trader's confidence comes from knowing himself. This trader's confidence comes from that deep knowing that when I'm called to cut the head off of a losing trade, I rise to the occasion every single time. So there is no fear. When you enter into a trade, if you are experiencing fear, you don't fear the trade. You fear yourself. You fear that you will not do the right thing. You don't have confidence in you. You don't have confidence in who you are. This is the inner part of trading. These are the things that your trading books do not talk about. These are the things that your, your two and three and $5,000 seminars on trading don't talk about. These are the things that articles on the market don't talk about. These are the things that your financial programs that run all day long do not talk about, but these are the very things that should dominate your attention as a market player. Everybody wants a new strategy. Everybody wants a new set of clothing. They want to get rich. Give me another strategy, Oliver. Give me another tactic. They're collecting when you should be uncollecting. Rex says, Oliver, you just gave me insight into my biggest demon. Thank you so much. Well, that's what we're here to do. We're here to shed light on an area of trading, this inner part of trading that usually remains dark. But guys, there is this game that we call trading has so little to do with your trading strategy, believe it or not, you think that getting a better trading strategy will improve your trading results. Most of you are on this never-ending search. You're moved from seminar to seminar, book to book, trading strategy to trading strategy, tactic to tactic mechanism to mechanism, oh, green, oh, I just bought this item, green light, it flashes green when I should buy and red when I should sell. You're out there buying nonsense like that. You're on this search when you really should finally, once and for all, stand still. Stand still. Stand still so that you can start gaining, building some roots where you stand. Claim your ground. A moving 
plant can't start to grow, right? You've got to stick it in the ground and it's got to stand still and let its roots grow deep into the ground first so that it can continue to grow up above the ground. But if you keep moving the plant, it won't grow. You've got to stand still finally, guys. Stop this searching. The game, uh, this game of trading, this successful game of trading, has very little to do with your trading tactic or your trading strategy. If it did, people could simply just get a great strategy and be okay. But we know that's not the case, right? Think about this. Why is it that one strategy, the same strategy in the hands of one trader produces wins, more wins than losses, and the same strategy in the hands of another trader produces more losing trades than wins. Why? Is it the strategy? Or is it the person that has the strategy? You gotta turn around and look at you, not outwardly at some strategy. The problem is not a strategy. The problem is you. This is not a game of finding the right strategy, finding the right approach. No, it's a game of self-improvement. And when you, you become a better person, that gets reflected in better trades. When you become a more disciplined person, that gets reflected in better trades. When you can keep your word to yourself, your own word to yourself, like I will not lose more than $200 on any given trade. If that's a law for you, if that's a part of your trading plan, then you must keep your own word. When you write in your trading plan, my maximum loss is $200. I will not lose more than $200 on any given trade. Let's say, as an example, that is a rule in your trading plan. That is your own word to yourself. That's your own promise. Your promise to yourself is that I will make sure, I am promising myself that I will not lose more than $200 on any given trade. Can you keep your own word to yourself? If you become a great keeper of your own word, if your word is your bond, if nothing can make you break your word or break your promise, that is going to get reflected in your trades. And by keeping your losses limited to 200, the winners are going to flower all by themselves. And if you can't keep your own word to yourself, how the heck can you keep your word to your children or to your wife or husband or to your community at large, or to your boss if you have one? How can you if you can't first keep your own word? Do you know that your trading plan is just a, a list of promises that you make to yourself? It is a testament to how, how perfectly you can keep your word to your own self. This has nothing to do with trading strategies. Oliver, show me another trading strategy. 
But who has the trading strategy? Ah, that is the most important thing. I can put the most horrible trading strategy in the hands of an enlightened trader, and that trader will make money with that horrible trading strategy. Why? Because that trader will keep his word. That trader will keep his losses. That, that tr horrible trading strategy will produce losing trades, but he'll cut the heads off those losing trades very quickly. And just by the law of mathematics, you can't have 100% losing trades. It's impossible. So by just cutting the heads off of the losing ones, the, 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 over time, you're going to get 50% wins and 50% loses, and the 50% wins are going to flower. But he'll never let the 50% losers flower. So even if the horrible trading system produced a lot of losing trades, you're going to keep them small. And just by the nature of math, where it states it is impossible to have 100% losing trades, he will allow the winning trades to flower. He'll cut his weeds and let his roses stand. If I put the most perfect trading strategy in the hands of an unenlightened trader, they will not only, that, that, that perfect trading system will produce more wins than losses, but they will let the losses flower. Then they will also turn many of the winning trades into losers as well. It's not the strategy. It's who has the strategy. Who are you? Why don't you do it now? Look at your screen. Now I know you're, don't look at the content on the screen. I want you to look directly in your screen right now. And I want you to look at the image of yourself in the screen. You can do it right now, do it. Do it right now. Look at the screen and I want you to look directly into your eyes. Now stare into your eyes for a few seconds. Do it for me. Don't sit there. Do it. I see you. A lot of you are not doing it. Do it, please. Look in the screen. Look directly in your eyes. And I want you to ask yourself this question right now. Who are you? And just stare at your eyes. Who are you looking at? Who is that person? Do you know him or her? Look at the eyes. Look at him right now. Who are you? Get to know that person. Work on that. Guys, you know, when you, if you stare at yourself in the mirror, but I mean, look into the eyes, but like when you do it from not as the person being reflected back from you, it is a very, very powerful, it's a very, very powerful act. When you look directly in your eyes, but you are not, but you understand that is not you, like you do it from that place that is not what's being reflected in the mirror. It's almost like your the reflection is not you and you're asking who is that
And it's very powerful. Very powerful. Actors get into character that way. They put their makeup on and their clothing on and whatever. They're staring in the mirror. And they're staring as the, the their real self, but they're looking at the character they're going to play. You can't stare in the mirror as the, the reflection in the mirror and say, that's me. No, you do it as if that's not you. Because in reality, that isn't you. Your face is not you. That's not who you are. Your face is not you. Your eyes are not you. Your nose is not you. Consciousness is you. But where is consciousness? Where do you see consciousness in the mirror? It's not. You can't. But what you're looking at is not you. So consciousness is asking this reflection, who are you? And if you can get the reflection in the mirror to obey consciousness, now there's unity. If consciousness says, I will not lose more than X number of dollars on any given trade, then the reflection in the mirror has to come in alignment and be in obedience to consciousness. Because what's in the mirror is not that. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.